the heart has its own nervous system and it's acting in its own microcosm, having its own data that it's collecting and gathering and it has short and long-term memory and it's sending signals to our brain more often than the brain is sending signals to our heart. Welcome to Soul Logic, not your breathy spirituality. This is neither tie-dye running through fairy fields nor corporate performance metrics, but increasing your inner authority and personal freedom, moving you from the corporate mindset to a conscious mindset. We're your hosts, Cindy and Scott, and we're here to put the practical into awakening. In today's episode of Soul Logic, we're here to talk about the heart, specifically the power of the heart and the heart field, the magnetics of the heart and the electricity that the heart produces. When we think of our heart, many of us are thinking of our physical organ or having a heart attack or a stroke, for example, but there's so much more that our heart is responsible for. It is referenced in our daily language and in our cultures. Phrases like follow your heart or your heart knows. What about Valentine's Day? Cupid with his arrow right through the heart. You know, the feelings are, we feel it in our heart. And did you know that the heart's mentioned over 1,000 times in the Bible? It is. Cindy, what are some phrases that come up for you? Well, I mean, I think there's the opposite side too. When somebody acts without feeling or without care, they, we see them as heartless or um, not having a heart. Uh, you think about uh, the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz who lacks courage because he doesn't have a heart. So we see it both positive, having a heart, and also we see and use those heart expressions for those that we find acting in a way that we don't really care for or ourselves acting in a way we don't care for. Yeah, so true. And also maybe we might build these imaginary, but they are very powerful and real walls around our heart if we choose not to feel the power of emotions. And we just try to avoid emotions versus feeling into maybe painful situations to make peace with them. So unconsciously, these these walls may build around our heart. And we do sometimes feel like our heart's breaking, right? It's actually these walls that are potentially breaking down. And we have to break through that to start to feel even deeper. So there's so much that our heart is responsible for. And ancient civilizations believed that the eyes were the window to the soul and that the heart is the physical seat of the soul. And when you start to think of it that way, then you say, well, wait a minute, what else is happening here? But what can science, what has science determined about the heart? I mean, this is a deeper dive into what we talked about a week or two ago on the body being your brain. And we talked about the mind, the heart, and the gut connection. And we talked about in that time when the, here's what I'm finding out. The brain is sort of the command center, but the gut and the heart are sending more information to the brain than the brain is sending to the heart or the gut. So when we are going to dive a little bit deeper into this idea of coherence that it comes out of the HeartMath Institute, when we are coherent and our, our heart is at ease, if you will, maybe in love or just at least at ease, then we are able to send more information to our brain and we're able to quote unquote, listen to our hearts more easily than if we are out of coherence or incoherent, which sort of sends our heart rate 
crazy. And then we don't have as good a communication. Think of it as like static sending to our brains. The information isn't as clear. So the idea of having um, this inner ease in your heart rhythms at a pace that is steady and calm really impacts our outlook in ways that I didn't really know until we did this deep dive into the heart specifically. It's very interesting. So here are some facts that science has has been able to determine. One, that the heart generates the largest electromagnetic field in our body. And the electrical field, if it's measured on an ECG, is about 60 times greater than the field generated by the brain. So we give so much importance, as we said in our prior podcast on the three brains, we give so much importance to our brain, to our mind. But the reality is that energetically, electrically, magnetically, the heart is much more powerful. I love that so much. And we'll talk about this a little bit later as we talk about the impact of the heart, not just on ourselves, but on others. But since you brought up electromagnetic field, there's been studies that match the human heart in this coherent state, this very rhythmic coherent state matches the electromagnetic field of the earth. And so that's why we tend, at least I think, this is the assumption I'm making. Maybe it's out there in the literature, why it feels good to be in nature, right? While the trees feel good, well, it's, you know, nature bathing is a thing (laughs) and we are connecting. We're not only connecting to nature, but I think it's echoing back to us that same rhythm and it's feeling like we're connecting back to ourselves. That makes perfect sense because if we're in an environment that is equally matched to where we are, assuming that we're in that place of coherence and we're in a calm state, then we're going to feel the resonance. That makes perfect sense. If we take responsibility for how we're showing up, for how we're behaving, for how we are feeling, because the heart is is controlling our feelings and the alignment really between our brain and our gut, all three brains, controlling our feelings and the energy we're putting out there, then it helps us to understand that we are positively or negatively impacting everything that we do, everything that we feel, and others are feeling that too. You know, I think I said this in the pod, in the earlier podcast, you could have your eyes closed and be so blindfolded and have your ears plugged and absolutely not hear anything, but you could still feel the presence of somebody coming closer to you because the electromagnetic field of the heart extends several feet outside of the body. The brains does not. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. You think of like auras and things like that, that people talk about, or right. just the energy, quote unquote, the energy in the room. Yeah, it's emanating. And I think they've proven that, right? That the energy is literally coming from the heart. Yeah, and and that's why somebody could walk into a room, not even open their mouth, say anything. And that's an expression right there. Oh, he or she really changed the energy in the room, Mm -hmm. but they didn't even do anything. Because we felt it. We felt that person walk in and either positively uplift the room or maybe take the room to a, a lower place, the people in the room. Yeah. And we talk about personalities being magnetic too, right? You look at, you know, I think president Clinton has often been referred to as a very magnetic personality, whether you agree with his, his politics or not, there's a magnetism to him when you see him in person. I have not, but that's, I've heard that on several different accounts that that's the true, or that's the response to people. I've heard that as well. Now you may or may not know what his heart is like, but he definitely has that electric magnetic field going. <laughs> well, we all have it going, right? Yeah. We all have it going, but the question is at what frequency is it going? And is it in a place of where it can positively impact somebody 
or maybe negatively impact somebody. So you've been around people that are so frenetic. Mm-hmm. I've been around people that are so frenetic, so kind of out of sorts. You feel that. So their frequency is probably not in a state of coherence. So maybe if they went outside, it might balance a little bit. It might even out a little bit if they spend some time in nature. Or maybe it wouldn't. It would be hard to know, I suppose. Yeah, I think it would. I think you, it seems like you'd need to be a little bit intentional, but I think it would help for sure to maybe just slow the nervous system down a little bit and the heart rhythms down. Um, but also we'll get into this a little bit later too with some of the actions, but breathing also helps bring the heart rate down too. In fact, uh, the heart rate and breathing, I think are really interconnected. If you are, I think there's the Navy SEALs that use breathing techniques to bring their heart heart rate down. And also, you know, if you have fear and the heart is racing, your breath is usually racing too. If you're scared and your heart starts racing, usually your breath increases too. So they're sort of inter interlaced if you go back and forth. I love though too, Scott, I want, I know you talked about the heart also regulating some of the hormones and the oxytocin and uh, how that increases our connectivity to one another. Do you want to go into more detail about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned, you know, how the, the brains, the heart communicates with the brain and with our body. And it does so in four different ways. There's the neurological communication through our nervous system. There's also the biochemical communication with hormones. And I don't know that I ever knew this until I started researching for this podcast, but it's been discovered that the heart actually manufactures and secretes oxytocin, which is that good feeling, love, you know, hormone where we start to improve our tolerance and trust. And it really helps in creating strong relationships. Like, is that really that feel good hormone? But it's fascinating that the concentration of oxytocin that the heart produces is around the same range as the amount produced by the brain. So here we have this happening and it's happening all the time. Just like we've talked about, our body is living in the present tense in the here and now, and our mind is in the past and it's in the future and it's kind of in here and now. But if the heart is in the here and now and is producing equal amounts of oxytocin, that's pretty incredible because if we can tune into that, we certainly can leverage that much more with a lot less effort than what we usually have to do through our mind. You know, I feel a little bit dumb here. Like I didn't know the heart actually produced oxytocin until you brought this up. And it's sort of like, duh, (laughs) of course it does. Of course that, I mean, I know oxytocin is like the love hormone, but I didn't think about it literally being produced in the heart. So awesome, you know, like mind blown, heart blown, whatever. Right. I think it's just so interesting. Like, of course it makes so much sense. And, you know, the love hormone doesn't actually just have to be about a romantic relationship. It can be family. It can be friends. It can be just, you know, for the community, it can be this, again, this coherence piece where you're, you're feeling connected to the people in the room with you, or you're, you know, you're, the place where you live or, you know, just the global community as they're going through lots of struggles where we, you know, I was going to say right now, but there's always struggles around the planet, right? So just feeling that coherence, that, that love, that bond, that compassion, and even maybe tolerance for people around, around you. Yeah. It's a feeling of ease. It's much more relaxed feeling, but it also helps us feel more involved more, more connected for sure. And that's why sometimes you you might have work where the pay is excellent. The benefits are great, but there's something missing. 
And that missing would most likely be the feeling. And maybe there isn't any communication with the leadership. Maybe there isn't a lot of team spirit. But on the list of pros and cons, it checks all the boxes for giving you a great salary. You have a nice title. If you even like the challenges of the work, the benefits are great, but it doesn't feel good. Right. So what's that doing to it? So that's in that, that push-pull. And so many times we're in some sort of a push-pull, whether it's a work relationship or a, a friendship or a romantic relationship. And then when we start to recognize that the heart has an equal amount of opportunity to produce oxytocin as the brain, I feel like it makes so much more sense for us to start to feel into situations, maybe first, and then take it to the brain. Probably. And again, I hate to keep repeating this back, but I think, you know, there's a really interesting chart on heart math where it shows a heart pattern of somebody who's frustrated and a heart pattern of somebody who is in appreciation. And when you are in appreciation, the appreciation heart rate is very uh, consistent, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down. The frustrated heart pattern is very erratic, you know, little up, little up, and then way down, then way up and then way down. Uh, And when that you're in that frustration and it could be anything. It could be stress, frustration, anxiety. I mean, they just happen to use frustration, but I think you could, anything that pulls you sort of out of your calm inner state, like a job that is maybe paying you a lot of money, but stressing you out. And you have the fancy cars, the houses, all the, all the stuff, but you're not quote unquote happy at a physical level. It's this incoherence when your heart is incoherence your brain is more likely to listen to your heart. When you're in incoherence, you're in that frenetic phase, your brain is more likely to take charge. And I think that's where we start to get out of balance. And we find ourselves in these careers that are lucrative, but not necessarily lighting us up. Yeah. And that, that image that we're talking about, if you look at the heartmath.org website on the science of coherence, it's very, very jagged, right? It's like these little peaks up, down, up, down, up, down. So super jagged. Whereas that heart that is calm and incoherence, it's very smooth. There are the ups and downs with the beat, but it's very, very smooth. And your point makes so much sense to me that if the heart is in a state of incoherence and not aligned or balanced, the brain will, will absolutely overtake the heart. And then that's why we feel horrible Mm -hmm. and we can't necessarily identify why we feel horrible. We might even have regret, right? Right. If the two aren't going to be aligned, we're probably going to end up with regret because we feel awful about the decision we made or didn't make. Logically, it might make sense, but from our feeling perspective, something is off, but we haven't connected with, if we're in that frenetic state, maybe we're always in that frenetic state. If we haven't given ourselves the time to connect with what's really happening here, what the message really is, then we may miss it. We're missing the message. We'll continue to repeat patterns that are not healthy over and over. Yeah. I mean, the thing, if I look at the visual of this, I also, the, the incoherent version, it looks exhausting. Like it, there's nothing, you know, it's like, Oh, it's like all discombobulated. And it's like, Oh, it makes me tired. Just looking at it where the, coherent one looks very, it looks like a wave, like, you know, like an ocean wave, very rhythmic coming up and down, up and down. And 
like no wonder we're all tired and burnt out if we're staying in this incoherent state and not really dropping in to our inner ease and our inner coherence and finding that calm. However we find it, whether it's meditation, walking in, in nature, just breathing rhythmically or slowly or intentionally. Um, and I think it makes me think of, like, if I think of coherence, they talk a lot about like when you're in that calmer state, like, I don't know about you, but I, I always think I'm a better person when I meditate. And I think it's because it's the coherence. And like, if somebody says something mean to me or somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm like, oh, they must be having a bad day. <laughs> you know, If I'm incoherent, I'm like, I'm matching them right at that state of frustration as well. And as I was thinking about this for the podcast, I made me think of the Dalai Lama and, you know, he can stay kind of above it all, if you will. And yet, and yet totally tapped into humanity at the same time, you know, he has genuine love, or it seems like to me, it feels like he has genuine love for all of him, all of mankind. And yet every day there's horrible things going on and he can take it in, process it and help others deal with it as well, just by his pure being in coherence. Does that make sense to you? Do you have, I don't know if you have that same feeling from him, but it's, it feels like nothing can phase him. And I think it's because he's so solidly in his inner ease and inner peace. I do. I mean, I would agree with you on that. And also in, I would agree with you on that. And also on the topic of if we're, if we're doing our own work and intentionally slowing down, focusing on our breath, as you said, meditating, you know, probably spending more time outside and we'll go through some more actions in the second part that it does allow us to be more aligned with our heart. So we're not incoherent. We're in a state of coherence, but we can't get there without doing the work. And right. And when we're not, then we're much more reactive when we are in that place of uh, more of a balance, we're much more able to respond and doesn't have to be immediate. We're able to wait a a minute or two or, or some amount of time or just look at a situation and say, oh, the person's having a bad day mm-hmm. and not take it personally and not let our mind react and jump in and the ego feeling like it's been bruised from whatever it was or wronged, wronged. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we become much more heartful and we're, we're really operating much more from a place of love versus fear. Right. Kindness, compassion, kindness and compassion, all those good good feelings, right? Absolutely. Because I mean, let's be real, who hasn't cut somebody off in traffic or done, you know, I think about that too. I'm like, Oh, bonehead move. Oops. You know, and I wasn't trying to be a jerk, but I was, you know what I mean? Like there is room for compassion if you could tap into it. Right. (laughs) Not just in traffic. (laughs) Totally. I also think when you're in that coherent space, it is much easier to tap in. There's another sort of have heart and tapping into our courage and our self-confidence and our self-reliance or self-resilience. And really what having heart or having courage means is we're asking ourselves to take action on what really matters. And again, I think this is, you know, you and I've talked about our own careers and making shifts in those and it requiring courage. And I think what I'm realizing is some of that is getting in coherence with ourselves. Like our brain has been saying, but you're successful at this. You're doing well. Why would you change it? 
And it's been overriding because there's a little bit of that incoherence going on until we can drop down into the coherence of our hearts that say, you know what, I think there's something more. I think there's something maybe a little bit different that you should be doing here. And it's the, I don't know, for me, like the back and forth, like coherent, incoherent, coherent, incoherent, (laughs) until you get a little bit more balanced to then go ahead and take that action on what really, really matters to you. Yeah, personally or professionally. And I know I've talked about that and experienced that myself. And the when I finally made the decision, the professional decision, it was based on how I felt. It was based on what I was feeling in my heart, what I was feeling in my entire body. And it didn't seem logical. It wasn't logical, actually. But I made it and my mind got on board with it because it had to. And I never had any regrets. That was yeah. the most important thing. That when we're doing something that is aligned and we're in a state of coherence, there, there's a much lesser chance that we're going to regret what it is we're doing. And we're, we have more conviction, therefore more courage, more confidence of where we're going and how we're showing up. Totally. And if we take it to the more personal side, because I think you're right, it doesn't have to just happen at work. We were talking about this just before we started the podcast was on personal relationships. I've had a couple of instances where... I was in a friendship, or at least I thought we were in a friendship with a couple of maybe narcissistic tending friends. (laughs) And so this is where the heart gets a little, like this coherence, incoherence gets a little bit messy as I think about it, because, you know, at first I think we're great friends, we're sharing, we're doing all these things. And then suddenly it feels a little bit incoherent because things are tilted a little bit out of balance. And I'm thinking, hmm, maybe this actually isn't really a friendship. This is just me listening. And it's not feeling coherent anymore for me because it's, you know, the the balance of the relationship feels out of whack. And so as I let that relationship go, my heart, my coherence is in there saying, oh, but wait, you're, you know, can't lose a friend, you know, friends are valuable and you've got to stay in this. And what are you doing? Like, this isn't normal. And yet my heart is saying, no, no, it's like, you need to take care of you or, or whatever. I mean, whatever the heart is saying to me in those moments. So there is sort of that push and pull, even from that aspect as well. And I have let those friendships go and there is more coherence there. I, you know, by letting them go, I have attracted friends who there is that balance. There is that coherence between, you know, whether it's our rhythms our natures, whatever it is, but it feels the back and forth feels more coherent than the other two relationships that felt much more out of balance. So, you know, it's not clean and it's not like, oh, I'm incoherent and I'm coherent. It's, you know, I feel like there's some going back and forth, whether it's professional, personal, it could be a family member, whatever. It could be a project you're working on. It could be a lot of different things where you're just working through that coherence and incoherence. Yeah. There can be periods of it. And also, you know, there's that thought that we attract what we are. Everything is energy. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe at that point in your life, you were a little bit more incoherent. Yeah. Right. And so you attracted people that highlighted that for you and it allowed you to then make decisions to bring you to a better place of alignment, coherence, which then allowed you to attract people to you that because they can feel us, people can feel us, we can feel each other. We talked about shifting the energy in the room. Right, we are like these little magnetic beacons, you know, just sending out all of these little waves of energy and magnetics and and electricity to others, and the people are feeling it, and they don't even know why they're feeling it, but 
we do kind of um, gravitate together. And I totally agree. And I love this point you're making here about the electrical field and attracting what you, what you sort of put out. And not that I would, I don't know that I was necessarily attracting narcissists to me, but I was definitely to your point incoherent. And as I was like, Oh, that's, that isn't actually what I want. I want something a little bit different Then that starts coming. I think that is such a great point. So let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, let's talk about how we get into the heart, how we get into coherence. Now that we've been talking about it being such a great place to be. You're listening to Soul Logic, shifting you from a corporate mindset into a conscious mindset. Check out our course online at roadmaptoawakening.com, helping you bring the practical into awakening and make sense of what's happening on your journey. Okay, so we're, we're talking about incoherence and coherence, and we want to give you some tips and action steps on how to potentially access that space within you. And I think one of the things, if coherence is kind of a weird word to relate to for you. Maybe inner ease might be a little easier for you to relate to or inner peace. I like inner ease because inner peace is a little bit overused and maybe coherence is a little bit too sciencey. <laughs> but if you think about inner ease and it being a state of inner calm and how you might do that is in a couple of steps. So first and foremost, there is some science behind the fact that if you put your hand on your heart, it actually draws attention to that. It doesn't matter if it's your left or your right, but if you just go ahead and put your hand on your heart and go ahead and focus there and then take a few breaths as if you were breathing in and out of your heart directly. You can close your eyes, keep them open. But if you just breathe in through your heart and out through your heart. And you can actually just feel, take a few more breaths, how many of her it feels like for you just to breathe, literally think about and then visualize breathing in ease and calm into your body. Another way you can do that, and you can continue to do that as long as you like. Another aspect you can do if inner ease and calm isn't easy for you to access is you can just tap into a feeling of love. Maybe it's a pet that you love, you know, your partner that you love, a place in the world that you love, anything that just means a lot to you. You can also just breathe that in too, but you just want to visualize breathing and feel breathing in and out of your heart. And it can just bring your nervous system, your, your body's nervous system and your heart's nervous system down into that coherent space. Scott, what kind of tips do you have for our listeners? As you were walking us through that exercise, I was doing it and I've done a version of that before and I'm not in a particularly rattled state right now. I'm actually quite calm, but I felt even calmer. Hmm. I felt I'm standing up right now, but I felt more centered definitely more ease, more calm, and more present, which is so important. Because when we're in that place of calmness, it's so much easier to be present to not only what's going on around us, but what's going on inside of us. So true. And I think just before we go on to other tips, I also feel, uh, I think, I feel like I feel that from you, right? I feel we're both the inner, we're both pretty calm. But even in that exercise, 
coming down. And there is, we won't go into it now, but there is science also behind the electromagnetic field between humans as well. I mean, that's the, you're talking about, you walk into a room and you can bring it, the energy up or down. Um, and I think just demonstrating that. And hopefully if you, the listeners were doing that with us, they felt it too. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about maybe a difficult decision you have to make, for example, this could be a great exercise to do for just two or three minutes before what Cindy has just shared with us, really being intentional, focusing on the breathing, hand on the heart, breathing in that calm, breathing in that ease and doing that for a few minutes. And then when we, when you come out of it, feel into the decision, feel into the challenge, feel into whatever action it is you have to do, or you're going to do next, you might find that there's more insight and more knowledge that you become aware of just because you've given yourself that chance to become more coherent, to calm down just a little bit more, and to sync with your natural way of being, with a more calmer way of being. I know that that's happened for me a lot, and sometimes what's happened is my mind did not particularly like the information that was coming from my heart when I was in more of that state of calm, because the ego wanted to be right, the ego wanted to make its point, wanted to be heard. But somewhere in between, there was the right answer, there was the right way forward, there was the right way to frame the conversation with the person. And therefore, the right action to take was by leveraging the intelligence of the heart, but also the intelligence of the mind. And I found that using an exercise similar to that, which included breath work and slowing down the breathing was a great way to get there. One thing that's coming to me as we're talking about this, I love this. And when you're talking about making a big decision that you might have to do this more than once or maybe quite frequently. And the fact that this is, I mean, you can just do the little exercise we did in 10 seconds. It doesn't take a lot, but I'm actually taking mental notes for myself because I'm in the process of launching something that my heart really wants to do. And my brain is desperately trying to sabotage me and I'm pushing through it, but I just literally taking notes that I'm going to practice this myself. And it might take me as I'm doing stuff and my, my mind goes, Oh, but who's going to want this or, but, Oh, you know, who do I think I am to think I can do this or whatever it is to just stop, take a few breaths, touch my, put my hand on my heart, come back in, re-engage, reconnect with that heart's desire to do this program that I'm putting out there and then move forward with, again, calm, confidence, a sense of self-security that it's okay. Like, even if it flops, I'm going to be okay, you know, but also having the faith and the belief that it will work and the courage to take the action that really matters. It's not going to fail. And there really is no such thing as failure, right? Because you put yourself out there and you'll learn something from it. And something good, something great will come out of whatever the actions are that you're going to be taking. Totally. But I, yeah, totally. And, but just, again, that mental reminder to just take a deep breath. Like when I feel it coming, when I feel my thoughts trying to sabotage me to just take a breath and just remember I'm in incoherence and to just drop into that inner, inner ease and reconnect. Mm -hmm. Um, It can happen quickly. I guess my point being like, you can just it can be a habit. I'm like, oh, my brain's doing that. I'm just going to come down, touch my heart, breathe in. Okay, moving on. It could just right. be that. It you don't even have to touch your heart. If you're in a meeting, you don't want to put your hand on your heart. You can just keep, you can just breathe. Just do it mentally. Right. The other thing for me is more time outside. Mm. Really spending as much time as possible out 
in nature, outside, and trying to sync with our natural rhythm, which is the planet's natural rhythm. I just learned that for this podcast and how powerful that is. And it's going to make me even more aware of what's happening when I'm outside. It's so true. Yeah, I I love it. I think connecting with earth, grounding. I sometimes even will just sit down and put my back against a tree just to feel its strength, its steadiness, you know, which I think is probably that electric electromagnetic field. Uh, It just feels so solid and good and, and calming. So I love that. I love that. If you have tips that you use to bring yourself down into that inner calm and inner ease place, we would love for you to share that with us. In the meantime, keep tapping into all of your body's intelligence, your heart's intelligence, and we'll talk to you next time. At Soul Logic, we're excited to explore all of these topics and spirituality that is not breathy. Exactly. We have our <laughs> online course, Your Roadmap to Awakening. You can see it online at roadmaptoawakening.com. I'm Scott Masciarelli. I'm Cindy Jennings. We're so thrilled you joined us today. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.